Welcome to episode 55 of the Axiom Podcast. I'm Joey Brannon here with Devin Dash. And Devin, we have a special guest today. Yes, we have Jag Graywall with Ian Black Real Estate. Thank you, Jag, for coming on the show today. Thank you very much for having me, guys. So, Jag, uh, we want to know pretty much everything that's in your head about commercial real estate. And so over the next six or so hours, we will we'll, we'll tease. No, <laughs> no we're not going to be. Uh, but, but, Jag, tell us a little bit about uh, your background and, and your team and what you guys do. So um, I graduated as an electrical engineer in, uh, in the University of South Australia, um, which gave me a very good head for numbers, which is what commercial real estate really is all about to me. Um, so I, I moved here into the area 21 years ago and chose real estate with my background. I, I liked it um, and basically started working in commercial real estate for Cornwall Banker for seven years. Um, grew to be the number five salesperson in the, in the world, worldwide, and then the recession hit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, was a uh, wake-up call. Mm. And it was at that time that Ian Black, a good friend of mine, started his company in 2003, and there was basically three people there, and we had nothing else to do on our, with our time. So we devised a plan, a very loose plan, and our goal was to, we could see that there was a niche in the area for commercial real estate, that there was no one dominant firm. And we thought if we hired well, people who knew what they were doing, supported them, we would create a pretty amazing team. And, and again, it was just on the back of a napkin figuring this out. So we've grown that to now we have, I think we've got 16 brokers. Uh, we do sales, leasing, and property management. We manage over a million square feet. But basically the premise is that we have a very <clears throat> good group of people that either are, are experienced in commercial real estate or are ready to, we groom them. Mm -hmm. there, there are people who come in who know nothing about real estate or nothing at least about commercial real estate. We love those people because we can then teach them how to do commercial real estate. So we, we've grown based on that. We don't believe in having silos. Each of the brokers work as a team with either one other person on most, if not all, projects. So we like doing commercial real estate holistically. If somebody decides to use us for any of those services, we talk about it as a team. We meet every Wednesday and we discuss any new projects, any potential projects. And uh, it's the first, you know, one of the things that I wanted to, or Ian and I wanted to create, was the sense that if we were to accept a project, it's everybody's project. Hmm. But we work together to try and find the best solution. That, that flies a little bit in the face of what I perceive to be kind of the traditional approach in your industry, which is, you know, you eat what you kill. And the the broker next to you eats what they kill, and and it, there can be even be a little bit of politicking and infighting within the same within yeah, the same you're, firm. You're right. You're very right. And and uh, I, you know I get goosebumps because that was one of the things that Ian and I and Steve Horn, who we were the three I guess brokers that started this partnership. We believed that if 
you are going to work with us, there has to be no secrets. When we share knowledge, because knowledge really in the hands of just your, yourself, it has no power. It only is power when you share it, mm-hmm. right? So these, what I was noticing in other brokerages were these little fiefdoms that people were holding. And it just, I don't know. We just felt that if we knew about something, we should share it. And this is a small enough town that, you know, sometimes you get the same guy calling five different brokers. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know... <laughs> To shop it right, and and you know if they come into this town, they don't know. Right. right, so you can't really blame them. But we have the f- philosophy that you know let's share the knowledge and see where it goes, yeah. and that's really I think been the catalyst for our success. Yeah. Well, when we talk about uh, the world that that we walk in and the world that that you walk in, not all maybe not all the time, but our world is that two million to fifty million dollar small mm-hmm. business. Uh, we have a lot of owner operators, so the founder is you know still in the business as a CEO or general manager, maybe even sales manager. Uh, a lot of those have second and third generations, and and in terms of like firm size, we're looking at you know twenty employees at the small end, two hundred to two fifty maybe at the top end. Mm. When you think about the your experience with those that group, what are some of the mistakes you see them making? on a commercial real estate front? Um, I think the top one is that they try to save a dollar where they really should be focusing on their business and really trust a broker. Now, I'm not just saying that because, you know, when when we get a lot of the, you know, some of the CFOs calling around and you can tell, you know, look, I, I get you want to reduce your rent or your money to expand and be in control of that. But there's so many more factors that go into just a rent number, as an example, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and that's that, number one. Number two, if you're looking to purchase, I would say 40% of our deals that we do on the purchase side uh, would never have seen a for sale sign. Oh, really? So, you know, it, Again, you go just out there, and because this is such a small community, we have really deep connections with a lot of the property owners. So, you know, businesses contract, businesses expand. They don't always want people to know that it's for sale. Or even, you know, I closed a building, I don't know, in February. That was never on the market. It was on the market for lease. It was a 70,000-square-foot building. There was a 20,000-square-foot vacancy. It's an industrial building. And I had a, a company that was in 10,000 square feet, wanted 20. Couldn't find 20,000 square feet in this area. So I rang around and found this building. It was for lease. And I approached the broker and the owner and said, would you be interested in selling? Hmm, never thought about it. Maybe we should. Well, fast forward now, the person who needed 20,000 square feet now moved, purchased a larger building than he wanted to. But the other the other tenants that are in there and that the 50,000 paid the mortgage. Now, mm-hmm. that would never have happened mm-hmm. if you just went on Google or any of the other listing websites to try and find what you're looking for. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as lay people, not in your world, you know, our, when we think real estate, the closest parallel we have is residential real estate, which of late has become... Uh, more like a trip to the mall than, yeah. than anything. <laughs> like I can sit at my computer and be like, I like that house. I like that house. I right. like that house. And 
Um, and we think, well, we will, when we're ready to, if I'm, if, if you translate that into the commercial and you let that perception exist in the commercial world, you, you're kind of misled to believe if, if this is what I hear you saying, when I'm ready, I'll just yeah. go to the store and I'll find my new location. And you're saying it doesn't work no, like that. It takes, if you want to buy something, nine months, you have to prepare that far in advance. It, you know, if you're looking for financing, that's going to take. 60 to 90 days. You'd have to, you know, you've got to study the property, study the market, mm -hmm. get some, you know, so it, yeah, six to nine months, you know, sometimes even 12. Yeah. Um, so, and, and moving a business is no mean feat, man. It, it is really. <laughs> hey, is we easy. moved, we just moved a couple of offices last week and I still haven't recovered from yeah, it. My no. productivity is probably about 10% of what it would have been otherwise. Well, because so many things that pop up that you never think about. Yeah. You know, that so, yeah. So trying to save a dollar, um, like what would that look like? And like, what would, what would the better approach be for a business owner who's? Well, business owners typically are very decent, I mean, good negotiators, right? So they've got that going for them. Um, so the negotiating side, yeah. But you need to know the negotiating points and what's out there. The, the, the things that some people will say yes to and some people will say no to. And only until you use somebody to help you negotiate, whether it's me or somebody else, I always say, you know, if you don't like me or our firm, fine. But get somebody who is impartial and on your side that will, you know, fight for you and, and, and get you the best deal possible. And the, and the best deal possible may not necessarily be the cheapest deal right. um, because there's more to negotiations at this price. They're, they're you know, a multitude of other ways to get to where you need to be. So when you, you alluded to a situation where somebody was wanting to lease a property, you approached them and said, hey, I got somebody who might want to buy it. Have you ever thought about buying it? When we talk to business owners, um, I think, you know, like a small growing, most of our businesses are, have aggressive growth plans, right? So we, we may start with them at one level and they're leasing because, yeah. you know, they, they don't know how long they're going to need that space or whether it's going to be adequate or whether location across town might be better. But as they grow and the, then they've obviously outgrown their current facility, uh, I think for business owners... At least in my experience, they, they love control. They love to own stuff because they can control it if they own it. And so it's almost, um, you know, like the, the automatic direction is I'm going to go buy. Let's go buy a building. That way I'll own an asset and, you know, I'll be renting right. for myself. But what do you consider in the buy-lease decision? Like what are some of the things that business owners maybe ought to pause and think about before they go one way or the other? Or, is, or are they... Or are they pretty much interchangeable? You can make either no, one I, work. You know, it's a, you know, I, I'm I'm in two minds about as an example, office condos. Okay. Um, I, you know, once you buy an office condo, you're kind of stuck, right? You have if you expand, what are you going to do? You, you you know, you can continue to buy other office condos, or uh, it just restricts your ability to um, grow or contract. Gotcha. Because you're in for the long haul, you can't. Can't do that. So, um, it depends on the growth trajectory. I'm a big fan of leasing um, because these days, although the, the down payments have dropped from you know traditionally 25% now with the SBA, you can get away with as little as 10% down. So, it's attractive. 
to purchase. But if your business is a fast-growing one, um, I would always contemplate leasing uh, with the potential of, of moving out, expanding, even though moving is a, you know can be painful. I'd rather you lease a place and move than own a place um, and then move. Not to say owning is not a bad is is not a bad thing either. Um, existing product right now is certainly better value to purchase. Um, new product mm, construction costs are really high yeah. right now, so construction. You know, I'd think twice about that. Yeah. What are you seeing in this area? When, when and just to be clear, when we say this area, we're talking primarily about Manatee, Sarasota County. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you seeing? I mean, we're hearing inventory levels on residential are historically low. We're mm-hmm. recording this in April. Um, what about commercial? What's the inventory stock like? And is it getting snapped up? Is Are people left with no choice but to build in some situations? Or Industrial real estate is really tight. Um, there is very little product. Um, there are two or three project, projects that are coming out of the ground that will... Uh, release some of that product onto the market, which would be a great thing. Um, but that is that is being snapped up, industrial real estate. Um, retail is somewhat stable. We're not seeing a price drop. Um, office, a little bit off with COVID, but that's coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, office is being, re- people are rethinking office. Mm-hmm. So, um, so office is out of the three, the slowest. Multifamily, um, I mean, you know, anybody coming down here, they want an investment. They're jumping into multifamily. There's apartments being built left and right. So that land for multifamily is extremely uh, hot as well. So, well, You mentioned earlier uh, like a nine-month time frame, mm-hmm. you know, like a minimum, like it's going to take nine months. Yeah. Uh, but what is, I guess let me back up, talk to me about, is there a, is there a relationship um, component to to your business? Or I'm thinking about like a CPA firm uh, or a law firm, like a CPA firm in particular. You're going to have to file your taxes every year. So whether you like that CPA or not, as a business owner, you're going to be marching into that office once a year, you know, or sending your stuff over and interacting. Yeah. Um, but there are, you know, the 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 longer term transactional type piece, like buying a piece of real estate. Do people use you and then call you the next time they need you, or do, are you? Do you have business owners who are, you know, not necessarily on a paid retainer, or maybe you do? I don't know, but I mean, what's the relationship look like between a business owner and a broker? Um, well, that's a good question. Hopefully, you did a good enough job that they'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the idea. <laughs> no, never going to use him again. No, um, but again, th- this is. This is one of those things that you, if you have a good relationship, and we say this to all of our associates, just stay in touch. Just call them up, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to be top of mind. If nothing else, just to, to, to chat about what what's happening in the market. And if they're a business person, typically they'll want to know. Yeah. They'll want to know what's going on in the market. Even if it's a five-minute conversation saying, hey, you know, I just noticed in office we're having an increased vacancy in downtown. So there could be an opportunity. You're expanding. You want to go to downtown? Opportunity, and right. then, for, you know, conversely, up by I-75. My goodness, we can't find office space here mm-hmm. of consequence. You know, so again, it's it's making sure that we create enough value that somebody is going to pick up the phone 
and and call. So so that that's what I, I suggest that you know there are times where you know an owner calls up another broker or another listing and you can't really blame him, right? He's just looking out for himself, mm-hmm. right? And so and again and we again say this to the associate, just chill out, reach out to him, you know, be a friend and, and if if he doesn't want to use you, just support him. Even with giving him information, that's coming back to what I was saying earlier. If you've got some information, just share it. See right. what happens. Yeah, it strikes me that if you're in the if you're in the space that the jags in, and and I'm a business owner. I mean, you've you're touching um, lenders on a regular basis. You know who's in the market, who's not, who's competitive, who's not. You know, you know, PNC work. You know, you know who the good ones are. You know, you may hear about the claim that got botched because they didn't get repped well on the broker side when something happened at the property or, right. you know, so I just, there's a world of knowledge that a commercial real estate broker has because they're swimming in it neck deep every day. And a business owner only has to deal with these things maybe once a year, or once right. every other year. I, I renew my P and take a hard look at my PNC folks, you know, maybe once every three years, you know, right. and, and you go say, well, you know, is that, can you do better and right. what can we do? And yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we'll circle back to it later, but I'm interested in like that idea of developing young professionals and how you get them to see the value in building those relationships of just being a resource. The transactions will happen, right? I mean, they're going right. to, but if you're the go-to person, they're going to happen. They'll come your way when they happen, but you can't force it any sooner than that. People aren't going to buy property if they don't need it. No, but, but when they are ready, they're going to use you. Well, hopefully, yes. Obviously, hopefully they do, they do use us. But it is it is a case of you know knowing which lenders, and there are f- quite a few. But the the ones that you know at different times of year, um, depending on what buckets they have filled or empty, that can push a deal faster than others. And sometimes they're more aggressive, you know, on dental as an example. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're more aggressive on manufacturing. So it depends. On and and we have those relationships with them, like you say, we they're friends almost. So let's talk about the lenders for a second. Um, do you find that you're are people relying on you to say like which bank should I work with, or do they stay with the the bank that does their commercial banking already? Are they going out, you know, not asking you and just you know blasting the market and calling everybody in the um, Rolodex? To- uh, I don't I don't see the third one. Okay. I see the first two. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Typically, uh, if they've got a long-standing relationship with a banker, they don't want to change because, mm-hmm. like, they need something else to think about. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, or they'll come to me and say, "Hey, this is we're, we're bank with X, Y, Z, and and um, who else? You know, can you suggest?" Or and 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 we walk hand in hand with them yeah. on that. So you you mentioned looking for lenders who might be focusing on dental or might be focusing on a different, I guess, branch of property or type of property. Do you often recommend to business owners, hey, we, we have a relationship with this bank, it fits within their portfolio, they're willing to take on this risk, or is that... Well, we, we try not to steer so much, but, but we give them two, if not three options, mm-hmm. right, to go to. And, and you know, and, and the one thing is that and a lot of these guys that we, we we recommend, we've already done deals with. So we know that they know what they're doing. They can close a deal. And if we introduce them to somebody, they will take care of them. Right? So they're the three main criteria. that, that on. In fact, across the board, whoever we refer to, we, we want to have to 
have done business with them. Contractors, the same. Because yeah. we get asked about contractors a lot as well. So I didn't think about that. So, yeah, pretty okay. much um, most of these properties are going to need some kind of renovations. Renovations, yeah, new build. Uh, and there's, there's some really good contractors around. So, you know, and, and some, some do well in a certain type of product. Others do well in another type of product. So it depends. And across the board, it, it varies. Yeah. When you're um, when you're working with lender, have you seen any like alternative sources of capital move into the market? Uh, yeah. So what? Talk about that. What are like you seeing? Mes financing. Yeah. Uh, we just did a deal where it was a, a, a an office building that was not stable, didn't have a stable rent roll. Um, the buyer was in a ten thirty one. He really wanted to buy it. Um, conventional financing said no. We're going to need a high down payment. Well, we found a, a medium ground where you have somebody who does short-term lending. Uh, I think he did a two- or three-year note where, with a balloon where we, we get to stabilize the property and then take it back to convention fi- gotcha. conventional financing. So we're seeing that a lot. Um, we're also seeing uh, uh, investment go into spec home building as well, lending, you know, because... A lot of the banks don't want to lend uh, home 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 builders, you know. So gotcha. we're seeing some of that. Interesting. Hi, this is Joey Brennan. I wanted to take a quick time out just to tell you a little bit more about Axiom and the work that we do. We work with closely held businesses on strategic growth. What that means is that we come alongside the business owners, we help them get clear about where their business is going, and then we engage their leadership team to build plans for growth and then execute those plans. If you're a business owner and you're trying to grow or you're looking for future growth, or maybe you're just trying to manage the current growth that you have and you're looking for some help, you want somebody to come alongside you, to give you the tools, to show you what accountability looks like, to build the skill set of your team so that you can step away from the business while it continues to grow, give us a call. You can find more information at axiomstrategic.com. So let's say we've got a client who's basically, um, they kind of see the handwriting on the wall. We have, we're experiencing, we're talking about this before we started recording, lots of people moving to the area, which mm-hmm. is helping a lot of the service. We're pretty much a service-based economy here. So it's helping a lot of the service, home service-based businesses, professional service businesses. Mm-hmm. And they see the handwriting on the wall, like, you know, we're, there's no way we're going to be able to stay in this spot. We're going to need, and let's say we own the building, we're going to need to sell it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we we talked? We've been talking lately to um, different companies that sell businesses, you know, and and there's a lot of stuff you have to do in the run up to maximize the purchase price. Is there any corollary in the commercial real estate space? If I know, let's say I know, in 16 months I'm going to need to I'm going I'm to start looking around in another two or three months. In 16 months, 18 months, I need to be moving on and cl- and sitting at a closing table, getting rid of this building. Right. Anything that I could be doing in the meantime to maximize the sales price, um, or is it just well, it is what it obviously is? Obviously, the, the basics of you know keeping it tidy, cleaning it up. Uh, we have we're we're looking at a, at, a, at a particular property down in South County where they're gearing up. Right, so they contacted us and said, you know, we're thinking of selling. We're probably going to be six or nine months away. What do we need to do? So you, we walked around and said, well, you got to clean up a whole bunch of this, make it look better. Um, just, just the basics that you'd say to somebody about taking care of their home, yeah. to to take it out to market. A similar sort of thing, um, and yeah, 
I mean, yeah, similar. I mean, there's a lot of other tax kind of consequences, but they're not really. That's more in your field yeah. than mine. But but basically, a clean, tidy property uh, that shows well. Yeah. If you've got um. A business that's you know, you're you're going under contract or you know transactions going to go under contract. Um, what are are there contingencies that maybe are getting overlooked, either in a either in a purchase or a sale, like an offer that has contingencies in it or? Um, I mean, offers. So, in, in commercial real estate, when you buy something, you know, either the buyer or the seller. If we represent the buyer we would ask for a due diligence period. You know, it's, um, it's typically 30, between 30 to 120 days, depending on the type of product that, that we're, we're selling. And that time you spend money doing all of the third party reports. We want to get, you know, property condition report, we want to do environmental report, asbestos and all those things. Because in the commercial world, we're all adults. There is no, you know, well, you didn't tell me about the fact that, you know, there was a leak in that corner. Well, no. Right. We're, we're all adults here, so you go find out whatever it is that you need to do to find out. And so it's it's not a cheap venture, you know. So everybody, you've got to be real serious that you want to do it because you'll be spending real money. And after 30 to 60 or 90 days, however long it is, you may not go through with it. And, that money's gone or you can renegotiate that what kind of range are you looking at for say a, a one and a half to a two million dollar purchase for due diligence costs um well you know, pr surveys surveys used to be 750 bucks nowadays it goes up to four thousand dollars they're just so much in demand uh, environmental costs between 1500 and two thousand dollars for that um the condition reports probably two grand. You, you're talking about probably ten thousand bucks. Okay. What is a condition report? Um, well, the, the condition of the property. It's just like so an inspection. It, yeah, we call it a yeah, uh, but a little deeper than just a property inspection. Gotcha. Right? Um, you want to make sure the elevators work and so that the actual condition of the property. Yeah. So ten thousand, and you're saying ten to fifteen thousand. It could be thirty right. to sixty days worth yeah. of digging. Yes. To find out what's going I mean, on. It, 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 with, with what's going on right now, everybody needs that long. I, you know, if you're looking at SBA financing, that's 90 to 120 days. Uh, we're doing a deal right now that I think we went under contract in November, and uh, it has taken, I think it will close at the end of this month. So what's that? Six months? Crazy, right? Because it, because of PPP yeah. and the CARES Act and, and all of what these poor bankers are doing, that you know, it just takes a lot longer than initially uh, thought. Yeah. Where do you where do you what mistakes do you see that on the on the buyer side that are causing things to take longer than they ought to? Uh, mistakes. Well, being sure about what you are buying is is the first thing. To, to, really dig into you know will it work um the county zonings have changed the county building codes have changed so simply buying a piece of property and thinking well i've talked to my gc and he says i can add another ten thousand square feet over here just be very careful about that <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know just because the gc you know just because somebody said so right. you really need to dig right in uh 
to the because there are a lot of hidden fees as well. You've got impact fees. I, we, uh, Ian and I were walking down Rosemary and talking to a to a guy who's opening up a uh, a coffee store, right? Just a night, you know, twelve hundred, uh, probably fifteen hundred square foot coffee store. It used to be something else other than a coffee shop. The city charged him ten thousand dollars in impact fees that he has to pay, that he wasn't aware of. Ouch. Right. So these are the things that you want somebody to walk you through during the due diligence that you never see coming. That you want to want somebody to walk you through that and, and, and help you with that. Stuff like impact fees, is that something that the, is that the condition report that shows up? Is that the no. broker who points that the out? Like broker, the broker should point it out. And, and um, not only the broker should point it out, but whoever's buying it, you want to be able to go talk to the city, especially this because it was a change of use. Okay. Um, so, you know, I don't think he had a broker on this. Um, but, you know, th- th- there are a lot of things that, that – can surprise you, yeah. including building out. Building out space is much more expensive than what it used to be, almost double. Yeah. You know? When uh, you know we're seeing a bunch of roofs go into our neighborhood, mm. and I, we're talking to one of our clients who does uh, property and casualty, both residential and commercial. And one of the things that they told us was, you know, a lot of insurers are non-renewing a roof if it's 15 years old or older. And so, like, the the product has a 25-year warranty on it, but the insurance company is saying, we don't care. We're going to we're going to force you to get a new roof before we write your homeowner's policy. Right. Are you seeing anything like that on the commercial side where PNC insurers are, are, you know, maybe somebody's going in and wants to do some renovations and it's going to be hard to insure it and it might blow up the yeah. deal. Yeah, we are, well, they are asking people to um, <clears throat> upgrade. If, if uh, the AC units are old, you have to have you know, reserves for that um, roof. Um, no, we, we're definitely seeing that. I had a, we're, we're definitely seeing that. I, I had a thought, but this escaped me right <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> About that. But yeah, you have to you have to you have to to know. Yeah. Talk for a second about the property management because I wasn't aware that was as big a part of your business as you. Well, it never started. It was, <laughs> our goal was well, okay, we'll start it. We'll we'll, we'll help uh, a client. We had a uh, the BMO, the former BMO building downtown. They asked us to help them with um, management. Now, Ian and and Marcy had done one Sarasota Tower, so there was a lot of experience there. So we said, okay, yeah. And it just started, that was in 2010, I guess, 2010 or 11, something like that. Uh, and it just grew from there. Um, like most things we do, we do things, I think we do them well, and we show how a true building should be run. And so it's just grown from there. I mean, we, we now have, I don't know, six or seven people we're looking for a property manager if anybody out there class <laughs> <laughs> a property manager we, we really are we could use one of those um yeah but it's grown it's grown significantly and um yeah, and, and i do think there's a lot more room for us to to expand in that realm so what are the what are some of the on that note what are some of the things that business owners who think yeah you know i'm going to buy this property and obviously they're going to start managing themselves you guys have learned it. You, you're 
you're obviously very adept at it, but what are some of the things that smaller business owners who might not be ready for a property manager might look out for? And what are signs that they need to start maybe investing in somebody else, an outside third party to manage their property for them? Well, if they're spending more time worrying about them managing the building than they are about their business, that's probably a first sign. There you go. Um, but, you know, it depends. Um, you, you just want to the, – the hardest thing is to put money aside for capital improvements, especially because, you you know, if you're an expanding business, mm-hmm. you a lot of the funds you're using is to, to just – to be put back into the business. Um, taking care of the, the property is, is the, the toughest thing to do um but you know you have to take care of it. it's an asset um that will appreciate only if you take care of it hmm. so do you find that uh you know you mentioned a situation earlier where maybe i'm going to take 20 or 30 percent of the building and i'm going to lease the rest of the space out to third party tenants to cover the mortgage are they self-managing that other 70 percent of the property or are they hiring a property manager to do that he, for them as well he's doing it himself okay. right now um but I, you know, again, we'll just, let's see what happens. That strikes that. me as a slippery slope. Like I can, I can see that being a road to distraction. Yeah, it, it, it is. Well, you know, again, it, and and he could be adept at it. And yeah, yeah. So, but but it is again. If we always say that, you know, you want your focus to be laser laser like on your business because that's what pays for everything else that occurs. Right. And if you're distracted from that, or you're spending t- more than ten percent of your time managing that then you know get somebody else to help you right what are are some of the other things that um you wish people would pay more attention to before they call you um timing like i i I get calls where they say well i so it's april now right our lease is ending at the end of may <laughs> you need to find a space, and sh- you know, they just you know people not they no fault of, of them, but you know just just because you can go on the, the internet and say well yeah there's that 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 and that timing, you know just being aware of timing six to nine months at least yeah to you know it, it's it, if it's a fifteen hundred square foot move then okay you've got sixty to nine even that. 90 days at the at a minimum change business cards you've got mm-hmm. you know transition so timing is the one thing um there's also a lot of commercial real estate nomenclature that people think that they know but really there's so much uh, uh just misunderstood about lease terms sale terms um that that you think oh well yeah actually i know that well okay when you get down to it they don't they have a vague idea and not not because again they're not commercial real estate people right, right? we live eat and breathe this right and and so you need somebody to negotiate some of that stuff that you know they'll help you, what, you what are, sorry go ahead i was gonna say do you find that your small business owners you, you you said like they're good they tend to be good pretty good negotiators do you find that they trip over their own two feet sometimes? Would you just rather them stay out of the negotiation or do they? Well, no, you want them to be part of it, but I think that's where we're, we're kind of like an advisor to say, yes, okay, you know, they're asking for $100. We don't go in at 50 but maybe we go, <laughs> maybe we go in at 70 and ask for this, 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 and this. 
as you know to get you back to 50 or whatever that number is right, right. but you know it's just sometimes people, like i said people get such a focus laser focus on the number yeah. that they lose sight of the fact that there's so many other negotiating items i've often thought that a lot of times that number the desire to get to that number is more about being able to justify it to other people than themselves like whether it's the spouse or the business partner or the yeah, neighbor across right. the street who just right. bought his building for two million, so I'm yeah. going to get mine for one point seven, right? Right. right. And uh, again, you know, yes, bragging rights. Yeah. What you're saying, yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, there is that, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's your wallet, nobody else's. Right. You know, that it's coming out of. Oh, you're going to say that? Yeah, I was going back earlier. You mentioned that you know there's terms that people think they know in commercial real estate that they don't actually. What are what are some of those terms that you think the general public should gain a better knowledge of? So this this one example is this triple net on leasing, triple mm-hmm. net and CAM. So CAM means common area maintenance. So sometimes people say, well, the CAM is five dollars. Well, what does the CAM actually CAM the word CAM means that common area maintenance. Well, taxes, insurance, and common area maintenance make up the three nets and triple net. So is the CAM that somebody quoting you just to clean the area, or is it including the taxes or insurance? So that is an, a, an example, right? And there's three or four different types of leases. You have full-service leases where they take care of everything. is in the one number, mm-hmm. right? And then you have modified gross where you have part of it as rent and then you have utilities and then you have you know true triple net and then you have uh modified well, i said modified gross true triple net full service and sometimes you have double net where you have to take care of the uh common area and the landlord takes care of, of the taxes and insurance so there's all of these things and in your negotiation you can also cap the increases it's another another negotiating item, right? You say, well, I don't want you to increase more than 5% a year on what you can control. So, again, there's all of these terms, um, TI, Tenant Improvement Allowance. Um, is it based on a rentable square foot or usable square foot? That's another, you know, when you talk about office, typically there's a difference between a rentable square foot and a usable square foot. And this building is an example. Mm-hmm. If we are renting this room, let's say it's 100 square feet. So that's the usable. But because I walked in through the entranceway and I used the elevator and all of that's part of the building, there is an add-on factor because you should pay up your proportionate share of that. So that add-on factor is typically between 15 and 30%, depending on how efficient the, the office is. So that so instead of the hundred square feet, you're paying fifteen percent. So your rent is one hundred and fifteen square feet, as an example, right? Yeah. And you see that only typically in office, more than anything else. Yeah, I, th- I can see that being a real issue when somebody's just zero focused on the number. Like right. we've got a budget, we can spend twelve thousand dollars a month. How much square footage can we get for twelve thousand square? And they right. wind up wildly off from where right. the market's actually going to be. Right. Right. And again, you do a, a three-year deal. You could ask for some free rent. You could you could defer the rent. You could put it on the backside. I mean, there, there's all ways to get you to your number. That's why I say, you know, don't be so focused on the number. Be focused on the term of the lease and does it get you to where you need to be. 
Can you give us, uh, like, what's one of the more creative examples you've seen in negotiating? Well, depends on which side of the which side of the table I'm sitting on. Uh, <laughs> but if I'm on the on the, the the tenant side, I would ask landlords don't like free rent, but I would ask for as much free rent as I can. You know, or instead of the landlord writing a check for me to do the improvements, maybe we negotiate that out. Maybe if you know we could split the the difference between what the landlord provides and what I put in and have more term, reduce our rent. If you've got a good contractor friend that can build you out the space, you say, well, okay, give me that problem. Mm -hmm. Give me X dollars and I'll go see what I can do with that, right? So that's one way. Another way is if I was sitting as a landlord, we don't like giving free rent. What we could do is we could give you every 13-month free. So I know that I don't want, you know, a lot of people say, well, I want six months free. Well, okay, I don't know if you're going to be here in the seventh month. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, right. You know, so, and this is Florida. So, <laughs> so you know, you could do something like that where you get a little creative. But <clears throat> the goal is a landlord never wants to ever kick a tenant out. Right. You know, and some, some leases are up to 50 pages long. But the bottom line is the first page with the terms, if you pay attention to the first page, the other 51 will not count. In the market we're in now, let's say a business owner knows that uh, the space we're moving into, given their business model, it's going to be perfectly sufficient for as long as they're willing to stay there. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're they're moving into a new facility. This is going to be their home for as long as they want it to be. Would you advise them to try to negotiate better terms on a longer-term lease or a, a, a lease with an option on the back end or just a lease w- and then renegotiate everything? Well, I'm wondering if like the sunk cost fallacy plays any role in a landlord's decision-making where like I've been in this space for five years and my lease is up and the landlord's thinking – I really don't want to have to go out and remarket this property and have to negotiate free rent and tenant improvements and all that. Um, as the tenant, I might be saying, well, after that five years, he's going to be in a really good, I'm going to be in a good negotiating position because he's not going to, I'm, I'm the devil he knows, not the one that he doesn't. And he'll probably give me a pretty good deal at that point. Does that make well, sense? Well, yeah, it does. We, we actually, it's interesting that, that uh, we're doing a deal right now for company occupying about <clears throat> they're moving they're doubling their size into 17,000 square feet and um, we're doing a five-year lease and he is uh, concerned that the landlord is going to see how successful he is mm. at the end of his term the landlord is going to jack the rate <laughs> there's two sides <laughs> of that coin right. Right, right so it depends on which side you're coming from yeah. right and he was insistent that you know we had a fixed rent rate during the option period, which, which we, we did, and so we're going to lease. So uh, it depends. There's two sides of that coin. Um, yeah, typically landlords don't want to lease out. To answer your question, I would go as, you know, five to seven years um, if you're comfortable because it takes a year to settle in to a business. And it takes a year 
to move. Mm -hmm. So you've really got five, five years in that space, right? right. So you, if it's a five-year deal, you've got three years, and then you've got to start. It was like the election cycle. You don't want to be thinking about them, you know, as often as they do, right? right? Like, let's just push that decision off. If we're doing well, we're expanding, um, then then I, I would do a five or seven-year lease. Yeah. Especially in that crowd that you're talking about, the two to 50 million. Yeah. Is there anything that you see that's going to be particularly challenging for that small business market in the next, say, 12 months? It depends on which business, obviously. Um, you know, if you're in an office business, then with the work from home happening, you have to reassess. I honestly think that people are going to come back to the office. Office is such a part of our culture, society, our own fabric, you know, that I don't, I don't really see it disappearing. I think it'll change. Um, but no, I, I don't, I don't really see too much that you have to be thinking about. Is the, is there, what's the talk in your circles about that different that because I've heard that a few times, like office is going to come back, but it's going to be different. What does that mean? Does that mean like we're going we're gonna to see open floor plans, you know, finally go away and more offices or is it whole, um, more wholesale change than that? Well, it depends. depends on the company, to be honest with you. We've got an insurance company that is um, taking, having the same number of people but having more space so they can spread out the, their cubicles okay. to, to accommodate, right? So that that's one. Another company's shrinking and saying, look, you just go work from home and, and we'll figure it out, you know. But I, I do think what I, I feel is going to happen here in our area is that we'll see an influx of larger companies that are successful in the work from home scenario in a larger city and come to Florida, occupy a lot less square feet than they have in whichever city they're in and come here and mm -hmm. move here and then workers can work from wherever they want so i think that's going to be one of the shifts that we see in office i think we'll see a lot more I, I, we are seeing slowly a lot more interest by companies um, as an example we're, we're putting up the first uh 10-story office building <clears throat> in downtown sarasota first time in 20 years and i was nervous um we're going to be you know putting a shovel in the ground in a couple of months. But the interest has really been quite heartening and high, mm -hmm. I think, for what we're doing. Um, we, we posted something in Boston, and we got an inquiry, you know, online. So people are looking at Florida, and they, again, there's office component. People will change. Office will change, and it'll just, it'll just be different. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of excitement, I would say, fourth quarter last year where people started to realize, okay, um, this isn't going to last forever. There's going to be a silver lining. And we don't need all this real estate. Right? And then six months later, like, this sucks. Like, we, we, yeah. we, don't, we don't like, um, no. you know, the Zoom fatigue or Microsoft Teams fatigue, you know, and yeah. the cats in the background. Right. and babies you know, like, and... <laughs> You know, I've got a friend of mine, the CEO of a, of a local uh, IT company, said, it's the worst. You know, I, it, the synergy of what they're used to is just no longer there. You can't yeah. create that like we're doing here, talking and bouncing ideas off. You just, it's not easy yeah. to do it. 
Well, I think it's going to be interesting. You'll probably see some interesting things happening in your space among tenants who are trying to get, you know, the best of both worlds. You know, like I'm, I, I wonder, there was a, there was kind of a big push toward flex space maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Right. And I wonder if that may make a resurgence. It kind of went away for a while uh, where you, you kind of have the anonymous desk or the anonymous office. And when you're right. here, you can use it. But if you don't, you don't have to be here. If you right. want to be here, you can be here, and we'll have all the tools. But if you don't want to be here, that's fine, too. Right. I mean, you're seeing it in, in residential uh, uh, real estate firms. You know, you, this hoteling, quote-unquote hoteling concept where you can come in and use right. the whole facilities, and, and that's increasing. Uh, you know, everybody's more mobile these days, so that's increasing as well. Um, it's just the number of people moving here, Joey. It's, it's it's astounding. It really is astounding. Um, and where are you so seeing them coming from? All over. Yeah. New York, New Jersey, Chicago, uh, Pennsylvania, and these are upwardly mobile. Not you know not retirees. They they're coming here, moving their businesses here, wanting to do business here, not not to just put your feet up and you know watch the sand. We talked to a business broker in Tampa, um, and he said that he was seeing uh, something that they hadn't seen in a long time, uh, if ever, is people moving to the area, relocating to the area in their prime of their professional career, but they were selling businesses up there or putting GMs or COOs in charge. And these are these are kind of the businesses that we deal with, five mm-hmm. million, ten million dollar businesses. Coming down here because they they are tired of the lockdowns in the Northeast and buying businesses and looking for businesses to buy. It used to be that people coming down here were looking for houses to buy. Now they're calling, they were calling the real estate brokers. Now they're calling the business brokers and they're saying, Hey, I'm going to, this is my new uh, year round home as a business. I'm a business owner. I'm not going to stop being a business owner. What do you got? You know, I owned a paving company up there. I'm going to own a paving company down here. I owned a printing company. I own a printing company, you know, and, which is a totally different demographic than what we're used to in this right. area. Well, we, we're typically used to the CEO, CEO moves here and wants to open an office here or move right. some of his office here. But no, you, you're right. I, I, just in the last week, I've been told about three companies that are being acquired. They're like, out of nowhere, you know, thought about selling the business, uh, put it up, six or seven people bidding for it. You know, really, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, crazy. Yeah. Just and, and it's wonderful because what then happens is that innovation comes in. They teach us how to do whatever business that, that is that they bring that technology. And so it improves everyone. Yeah, I will say that we see um, typically if you have a business owner who comes from that metro you know, larger metro area, the sophistication of right. the management practices, the fleet management, the service uh, delivery, it tends to be a notch a little bit higher. Right. Um, and it raises the bar for everybody else in the area. The local companies who are born and raised here, they they tend to scream, but they only usually scream when they're getting tax incentives or some kind of special right. courting from an EDC or something like that. But that's not what we're seeing now. And I think you're right. It's going to raise the bar for everybody. You think, you think you know, nine, 2000, when I first came here, Benderson bought the Prime Outlet, you know, the Prime Outlet. Mm-hmm. And talk about a company coming in and teaching us how to be, how to do retail. Right, we were kind of a backwater when it came to retail, 
And these guys came in and look, look now. Yeah. Right? They really taught us how good retail should be done, how good retail development should be done. So much the same way, I think we're going to see that across the board. We're seeing that in industrial real estate. If you look I-75 driving down, you know, you've got Harrod, you've got Benderson putting up these structures that, you know, they're not metal buildings like, yeah. like we used to have to. Who's doing all the buildings in Ellington right there at the interchange? Benderson. Is that all Benderson? Benderson. But also we're seeing other developers. Harrod, uh, there's another one at 301, uh, JLL uh, is selling that product, leasing that product out. It's more and more. And, and as we go through this whole work from home thing, distribution is going to be a huge deal in Florida. My wife went on Amazon, <laughs> ordered, I don't know, some, some phone holder thing at like 9 p.m. It was at our house at noon the next day. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, crazy. Yeah. Right? So, so distribute, there's an example of distribute, the last mile distribution. Right. That's, that's going to be prevalent, a lot, especially on I-75. Yeah. It's funny, I was talking to somebody last week, and they were talking to two people in two different scenarios, and the, they both wound up at the same place. One was talking about um, a big solar installation that they were being asked to bid on, and they were describing, you know, the, uh, the specs for it and, right. and what the power feed needed to be to be used for. And he said, oh, so you're working for Amazon, right? <laughs> and and the, other, the other issue was a similar, like, we're going to be developing a, a building so many square feet. Like, oh, so you're building for Amazon, yeah, right? right? And that's just, because, right. like you said, distribution has become... If you go to see their facility in Venice, have you seen the Amazon no, facility there? Crazy. Like, you know, like, amazing. Yeah. Do you think, are you seeing, have you seen any glimpse of manufacturing coming to the area as one of those business, one of those yes. industries that is? I, well, first off, there's more manufacturing here than we know or think about. There's a lot more that goes on than we know about, right? Even in Lakewood Ranch, that you think, oh, it's a master plan community. It's got a, no, there's, there's a ton of manufacturing going on. Um, I think that's going to increase. I think it'll be smart, clean. Uh, technology as well. Um, yeah, I, again, we're getting calls from these companies looking for space. I just took a 23,000 square foot building, industrial building for lease in, in Venice. Uh, went on the market Tuesday, Wednesday. I got a f almost full price offer today. Wow. From the first guy that walked through it. Wow. Right, so industrial, and I got a call last night saying I wish it was you know a little bit smaller, but you know it is just buoyant. The market's really buoyant. Is active. it is it more buoyant than medical marijuana? See, medical marijuana, that's kind of like a, you know, that's an interesting kind of thing because we've had tenants want to move in with medical marijuana. Now, if you've got a mortgage on that building, you you're you, done. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. You, well, first off, you can't rent to them. Um, and so, you know, as much as uh, it has benefits, <laughs> um, I, I haven't seen the the rapid growth, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know. It's, it's a great story. I think that's why you see it in the newspapers right. so often. But it seems like the press play is much greater than yes. the actual impact. Right. And, and yeah. And th there's a lot of, I think, a lot of uh, misconception about it as well. You know, thinking that people are just going to be smoking dope walking up and down Main Street. Uh, that's not exactly what happens. 
no, no. Not much. <laughs> you know what I mean, though, right? Yeah. Well, well, I'm curious. I wanted to go back. Um, this is going way back. But you, you mentioned when you started, you and Ian and, and your partner, third partner, wanted to start a real estate company. Do You got into the business and your focus was on, on teams and your focus was on sharing knowledge. You know, I'm, I'm curious about what are some of the challenges that you guys learned really quickly in, and, and I guess going back to Joey's comment on that, which was, it was, it seems sort of counterculture to the, the traditional commercial real estate kind of practice. Right. What are some of the challenges that you guys had to work through pretty early on as a business and in working with teams and kind of shifting the way that people thought about it? Well, I don't think we went that deep. To be honest with you, I think we went with more the we went with the human factor. To be honest with you, um, we used to have this thing called the Rosie test. Uh, Ian's wife's Rosie, and so whoever we were talking to who was interested, because we get hit up a lot, people wanting to join us, and we say no a majority of the time. So, so <laughs> the Rosie test is Ian and Rosie would go out to dinner with this person and their spouse, or you know, and if Rosie gave the thumbs up. <laughs> then it was going to be okay. Is Rosie but also, a pretty tough cookie? She, like, well, <laughs> she's intuitive and, she, you know, she, so coming back to the human factor, you know, I, I make joke of it, but it's, it's true that, that it's got to be a fit because not everybody is willing to share, right? Not everybody is willing to play that kind of role of that game. And so um, initially we had basically you had to buy, we had three interviews, you had to have everybody's buy-in into it, which is, you know, again, very different than a lot of the other brokerages where you just, you know, there's a phone, there's a table, there's a phone, you're on your own. Right. Um, we recognized that we wanted to create professionals that all got on. I mean, we get on, I, I love all of my partners and um, we have families, we have children. Now it's grown to the point that, you know, it'd be a hundred people by, by the time we all get together. Um, so, it is important to get that mix correct. Um, you have to get people that understand that you're in it for the long haul, you're not in it just to make this one deal, or you're not in it for me to pass you a lead. It's for you to go out there and, and generate yourself, you know, out in the world, out in the community. Um, and then you'll see, you'll see and reap the reward of it. So... I'm not really answering your question, but I think it's just coming down to, you know, we've made some mistakes where people have thought that coming in here, it's going to be easy and, you know, they see the signs and we're just going to hand leads over. No, it doesn't quite work that way. We've got to, got to work hard, got to get out there and we'll support, you know, you don't have to, all you have to do, that's a, a, the other difference of our, our uh, business is with the salespeople, all you have to do is go out and sell. We put all the infrastructure in place so that you don't have to do the marketing, you don't have to do any of that sign, nothing. We take care of all of that. You just go out there and um, sell and we'll support you. We, we do novel ideas. We tried uh, uh, auctioning where nobody tried auctioning. Yeah. Uh, wasn't exactly a success. But, you know, we're always open to trying new things. And that's what I love about our company, mm -hmm. you know. 
Talk for a second about uh, developing young professionals, because you you said earlier, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, we're more than willing to invest in the right person, and especially if they don't have the bad habits that we might get from somebody else who's got right. experience. So, what do you what does developing those young professionals look like, and how does Ian Black do it different than maybe somebody else? Um, well, first off, we match them with either one of the partners. There's six partners, um, one of the partners, and they basically are tied to that person's hip. Um, and they walk with them or with me throughout. We walk them through the process. They'll always be there with us. Um, we, we, they're in uh, all of our communications. They learn, basically. They just learn, and, and we, we recommend that they get educated. That there's some commercial real estate courses out there. But we, you know, we nurture them. Uh, we, we support them. Um, you got to have an open mind, willingness to learn, uh, and you know, wanting to work hard. Because this country, more than anything, and I come from a country, you know, a great country, Australia. This country will reward hard work, always, always rewards hard work, rewards people who are willing to to work, work and think hard and smart. Yeah. So. I hope I answered that question. No, it's good. It's good. I th- I think. I mean, one of the things you said they they're in all your communications and they kind of walk alongside you. I mean, I'm interested to hear like how literal and how figurative is that? Like when how much time are they actually spending with you, and what does that time it's, it's look not, like? You know, right down to you come. They'll come with me. You know, I've got a couple right now who um, they will come with me to the listing. They'll come with me to the presentations, the showings. They watch the negotiations. Um, you know, I'm I'm one that I, I'm going to keep them appraised of every particular detail. And then, if I'm not here, or they can cover me, or I can ask them questions about about at any time how that deal is going. What do they think? Mm-hmm. But just to engage them more than just being an assistant, more like grooming them. Gotcha. You know, teaching them, and and it's worked. I mean, knock on wood. Yeah, and, and yet another thing that doesn't translate very well to a virtual environment. Right, you know, exactly. Like, um, I mean, we again, our, we have office meetings every Wednesday at 9.30. Um, and pre-COVID, we would do so many deals at that at that, uh, at that office meeting. A lot of the deals are done because, like I said to you, um, not all buildings will have a for sale sign. Not all buildings will have a for lease sign. So one person will say, hey, I've got X, Y, and Z tenant looking for space or looking to buy. We would bounce ideas around and find a solution. Hmm. You know, again, very, very rare. When I first, when you know, I've been here 20 years doing it, uh, we've been doing this office meeting for 11 of those years. And Wednesday morning at 9.30, nobody can, no excuses. <laughs> for one hour, no excuses. Non-negotiable. Is an hour enough? You know, it depends, because some of us like to pontificate a little longer than others. <laughs> um, but an hour is plenty. Yeah, an hour really is plenty. An hour is plenty. Where do you see like your industry going? How how has the commercial real estate brokerage changed, say, in the last even ten years, five, ten years, and, and how do you do you think it's going to change much, or is it pretty much is what it is? Um, well, we're an interesting market here. Uh, a lot of the bigger brokerage houses are not in Sarasota, 
right? A lot of the CPRE, Cushman, Wakefield, JLLs, they're in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Our market is not broad enough to for them to open an office. If you look at our, our even our, the way our company is structured, no one person can truly say, well, all I do is sell industrial. All I do is sell retail or lease. Our market is not broad enough. So um, that is going to change, I think, as we build more product. I think we will see some of the nationals come in here. Right now, they they refer us, all of their clients. But I think that that may change, uh, which I think is a welcome change. You know, like a rising tide, you know, lifts all boats. I think that mm-hmm. I am not fearful of competition coming in. I think it keeps us all on our toes. Um as opposed to resting on our, on our laurels. So I think that's going to be a, a change. Um, just more people coming into real estate. I think the real estate market will change. Commercial real estate, it's a little tougher. It's not, you can't sit and, you know, go on Zillow and find whatever it is that you want to find um, because of all of the reasons that I, I said earlier, because it is a really relationship-based business much more than residential real estate do you see technology changing that because somebody could have said the same thing about residential real estate 20 years ago do you see technology having a similar impact on commercial yeah i mean you know it could i don't know in what shape or form i mean right now it's just all you know ways of marketing property right Mm -hmm. how do you get in touch with somebody who's interested in selling or how do you tell others that you're interested in selling or leasing without all, all the other people knowing. Right. Yeah. So that that is the challenge. But you know, technology being such, you know, maybe they they will. I don't know. Hi, this is Devin Dash at Axiom Strategic. And we just want to take a moment to to break in our episode. And first of all, just thank you for listening. And the second thing we want to inform you of is a special series that we're going to be doing where we want to answer your burning questions. If you're a business owner or you're a professional working for a business and you have a burning question um, that we can put our minds to and, and maybe help you, you know, think strategically about, do not hesitate to, to reach out to us. We're going to be putting together a string of episodes where we're going to be answering your questions. You can email us your questions at podcast at axiomstrategic.com or you can visit our website axiomstrategic.com Visit our podcast page, and there will be a form that you can fill out and get us your questions that way. I want to thank you again for listening, and now back to the episode. It, it, there's there are a lot of differences, you know. If if I think through on the residential side, like people move houses all the time, right? But if you move your business, like you were saying earlier, everybody wants to know why. Like, right? Is everything okay? Or yeah. if you're going to a bigger facility, like man, they must be getting rich. We can, yeah, we can really, <laughs> yeah. we can really make some yeah. money when right, we, right, we right, lease to these right. guys, right? So right. I do think that it's a, definitely a more sophisticated product that needs, you know, a a, a better skill set around the table to manage it than residential, which is kind of very similar. I mean, a deal is a deal is a deal. Right. Residential. residential is much more emotional. Much, True. Much I didn't think about emotional. that. You know, you're talking about your you know, home. Um, you'll pay a little bit more for love. Uh, <laughs> than you will. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, you will, sure. right? And 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 um, with commercial, it's a little bit harsher. But that said, though, because because of how rapidly we're seeing the growth, um, you know, sometimes you don't have the choice. 
Like yeah. ideally, the guy who wanted to buy twenty thousand square feet, he did not want to be a landlord. Did not want to be a landlord. Right. Right. But I think it's going to work out nicely for him. And he and he told me that it's working out nicely. So we'll see. Um, hurricanes may be an issue. Insurance may be an issue down the road. I don't know. I mean, you know, looking. That's a concern I have. Um, they certainly put out in the paper today that uh, they think that we'll have another active hurricane season. So that may be a dampener. Uh, insurance may be a dampener, but if you look at where people are leaving, the property taxes, the state taxes, the city taxes that they're having to pay, small, small sacrifices. Yeah, I, I wonder if on the insurance front, you know, the, the changes we're seeing with the influx of people aren't actually going to mitigate some of the risk. If you've got a broader risk pool, it doesn't help in a storm situation, but right. from a, just a general PNC standpoint, um, you know, if we've got more businesses carrying the load of the insurance well, risk. Yeah, I'm a no insurance person, but, you know, more people, more damage, more money. So who knows? Yeah. You know? Well, I've never, I, I can't recall ever picking up, you know, the paper or seeing a news article in April that said it was going to be a very calm hurricane yeah, season. True. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah, right. <laughs> they are trying, yeah, right. I, I agree. I agree with you. Every, every year they say the same thing and then, you know, here we are. Right. So I, I don't know. But that's the only real, you know, unseen threat. I think that um, somebody asked me two years ago what I thought about where I saw a change, and I'd said then I think it's going to be outside the United States. I had no idea. I thought, you know, yes, China is out there, but I had no idea, obviously, the pandemic. But I, again, similar sort of thing. I don't think it's something that's going to be brought on by what we're facing today. So, you know, that's all about all I can yeah. suggest about that. Well, Jack, it's been uh, it's been enlightening. I've learned a lot. I, I can't thank you enough for being oh, generous goodness. with your time and and sharing your knowledge of the real estate industry with us. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, if they're looking for you know somebody who has a deep breadth of knowledge about the business, uh, what small business owners are facing in real estate, like what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Just email me. Okay. Um, that's the easiest. You, know, you can call call our office. My email, do I give my email address? Yeah, we can put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Perfect. And then everybody can click yeah, on it there feel free. and go straight to it. Um, if you've got, you know, again, I'll say, if you've got a question, just go ahead and ask. Um, you know, I have, we have knowledge. If I can't answer it, somebody on my team will. Um, there's no obligation, even if it's just for a chat. I love talking about this, this stuff. Truly, I yeah. do. I do, you know. Um, so if you've got a question, happy to answer it. Well, I think from our standpoint, we've got, you know, a stable of business clients that if they don't already have a relationship, you know, definitely having somebody in their corner who can say, you know, just ask the question, what are your plans for your facility? Right. You know, what's your physical plan, plan look like? Right. Um, because there's a lot of questions they're probably not even, they don't even know they're not asking. Right. right. And, and again, um, even if they're using a broker, sometimes they're afraid to ask a question, you know, not to look silly well just yeah. ask me all the silly questions okay. just use me honestly as long as they're using a broker i don't care if it's not me right um you can feel free to ask me all of those questions i'll happily happily uh, help fair enough thank you for the offer thank thank you thanks so much for your time you guys absolutely this is fun all right. all right take care <laughs>
Um, hang on for just a second. So anything else you want to circle back to? Um, we covered a lot of a lot. ancillary stuff. Uh, I, w- I definitely wanted to circle back on the young professionals thing. I thought that was cool how you guys have a program develop, you know, develop their own. Well, mind. programs are very, you know, let's just say it's loose. <laughs> <laughs> like most things in our company, we, you know, oh, that seems like a good idea. Let's do it. Uh, we have enough experience to typically pull it off. Um, but yeah, we honestly, the future is future is uh, trying to get younger people into our business. I read somewhere, Joey, it's scary. Commercial real estate brokers are number three, the third oldest age group of professionals. I think undertakers are older than us. <laughs> and I can't remember that. I was like, oh, my God. So, again, the impetus for... for really? For, for That's them. surprising. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, we're an anomaly. We're in a little bubble here, mm-hmm. right? But in the rest, rest of the world, um, the rest of the parts of the country, yeah, they're generally older and, you know, typically a former business owner or somebody's been in, in industry that becomes a commercial real estate that's broker. what i was going to ask like what is the what's the career track look like if you don't come in out of school or out of high school or you know like early on like how are those people who've been in it 20 years but did something 20 years prior what did what did they typically do well you mean if they join us mm-hmm. um have an open mind you know, just because you sold $20 million a year for 20 years in New York, that's not always going to work here. It takes 12 to 18 months. And that that's really the the barrier to entry mm. into a, it, it. It does take 12 to 18 months. Now, we 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 fast-track that a little bit because you're working with a, with a broker and so there is an opportunity to, to earn with the broker, right? But... This market, because again, coming back to the breadth of the market, we you need to know office, retail, industrial, um, and if you you can't bullshit it, excuse me, but you can't bullshit your way through that. Yeah, you either know the stuff or you don't. Yeah. So is it, you you said program is very very loose. Yes. Is there is is there a a point in the future where you have? Uh, I know Brown and Brown is the insurance kind of model for educating their people so that they know insurance the way Brown and Brown wants you to know right. insurance. And they have a pretty, they have like a one or two year university, Brown and Brown university right. that they each individual goes through. Is that on the horizon for Ian Black real estate or is that? That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, that's a lot of work, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, ask me in the recession, then yeah, we've got something to think about. But uh, no, I mean, yeah. Possibly, you know, I don't want to say no to any idea. I'm just thinking, who is going to do that? Who's going to be the one that? To, to, and the, 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 I think the best way to learn is hands-on, you know, um, and with a broker that knows what they're doing, and then you listen and watch and learn. Right? That's really, you can't learn this stuff. I mean, you can learn the basics of math and. You know what a you know a ROI is or your internal rate of return is on a mm-hmm. certain project, all of that, right? But when it comes to actual hands-on, uh, on the ground market, uh, the market is shifting quickly, so you need to be able to shift with that. So, you know, if somebody came in with us, I think after sitting through a month of our meetings, 
they'll get a, 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 a slight understanding of commercial real estate. I remember with one of the first people that worked with me, I think it was after about nine months that I said, okay, you've now hit the 50% mark where you know just over 51% of commercial real estate that you can actually go out in the world and start, you know, conversing about it. It takes, it takes a while. And, and so when you're not getting paid for it, you know, that's, that's, that's a, a barrier to jump, right? Yeah. And, and so in the future, maybe that's going to change. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're looking at all, I mean, we're looking at, at that right now. We're looking at, so what does our future look like? Yeah. And who, who will be a broker with us? So Ian Black's been around for, see, I said 2003. In the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, Ian came here in 1982. He opened his company, Ian Black Real Estate, in 2003 or four, um, And we were competitors until... Really? Yeah. Because, yeah, again, remember I, I said that we, all of these, there were three or four different brokerage houses that were all competing after the same business. And... Um, when we joined, we formed a partnership. It was like, you know, I think, just like, you know, there's one leader in residential real estate in town, mm-hmm. right? I, I, that was who we kind of thought, okay, well, I think we can be that for commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think we have achieved that. I think it's proven It's proven out just reputationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that is the word on the street. Thank you. Yeah, it, it has been something that, and, and we're careful about hiring, um, careful about, the image that we're portraying. We want to portray that we're the place for space and we know what we're talking about. You know, the people come to us for information, for market intelligence, for um, deals, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so are you thinking about a com- <laughs> no, he's not. He's definitely not no. thinking about commercial real estate. <laughs> no, no. I, we, we. I mean, it's it's cool because that's what we work do with our teams, with the companies that we work with. Right. We we will. That that's the stuff that we're probing into all the time. Is you know thinking about the future, thinking about the team, thinking about your professional development. I mean, in a different size, in a different industry, a lot of our service-based companies, you know, home services, roofing, right. HVAC contractors, they're they're running into a similar issue. They're right. running into people who are technically sound, but they're older, and there's not a lot of young people coming up into the trade. And so a big question for them is the same thing. It's, well, how are you, what are you doing to, to look at the future? And uh, a lot of the times for us, that boils down to the culture. And, and that sounds like something that you guys are it's it's very clear ian black has a very specific culture it's it has a you know you mentioned the rosy test and people have yeah. to people have to pass the rosy test yeah, right. well somewhere in there there's there's some there's dna there that is that links and unites everyone on that team so yeah. it's just that's where i think we we love and we're we're interested in kind of the people side of business on, on one side and then on the other hand the the technical uh, knowledge and that that side of business. Yeah, I think one of the parallels that that Devin made me think of is you know in our in our blue collar trade skilled trade businesses um, there's a, just a absence of labor. You can't find it. There's they're right. they're not training it. The trade schools are not mm-hmm. full. 
um, and the people aren't moving down here because there's labor, there's still labor union wages right. in the Northeast. We can't compete with down here. When you factor in cost of living here, it's a no, it's a no win situation. Um, but the clients that we've seen and the companies that we've seen that are kind of uh, winning that game are doing the same thing that it sounds like you guys are doing, you know, and I would say like solving their own problems, you know, yeah. so it's the ones who are there partnering with the trade schools to write the curriculum for the HVAC program. They've got it. They started their own apprenticeship program right. for plumbers and telling guys, hey, if you come work for us and, you know, give us five years, you'll be making $60,000 a year and paying for their school and you right. know, being patient with them and giving them the time off and not expecting them to know everything from the right. get-go. And, and, and some people get it, some people don't, especially yeah. the, uh, the younger ones. Some people actually, okay, yeah, I can see this. I can see the progression, right? And others just, you know, looking for the payday. And we're not that. Yeah. You know, we're here to create a career. We're not here to, so you can, you know, close five deals and, and go off into the sunset. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. A lot of people, you know, they, they do Well, that. and that's hard. And you know, speaking from, from my, you know, I'm a millennial. I'm right yeah. on the tail end of that, but we are now in a in an age with YouTube and man, I can't tell you for every YouTube channel that I watch YouTube video, there's an ad on the front end about how you can kick your feet up and have a completely passive income. Right. And I think that's where a lot of the younger generations uh, are, are finding themselves tempted to, okay, what can I do to make the most amount of money possible with the least amount of effort? And I think that's where a, a lot of businesses nowadays are, are having to compete with that is look, you, especially in the skilled trades. Right. And, and it sounds like, you know, in particular with, with Ian Black and commercial real estate, that's not, that is a pipe dream. And the yeah, reality is, is it, for, it, for 80% of people is you have to have, you have to work hard. You have to be committed to a skill, to, to the knowledge, to know what you're talking about. Right. Right. And it's, you know, it's nine to five, five you know, it's, that's, or, or longer, but it is. I think, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I, I was just saying that um, I wonder, you know, you talk about the millennials. I think the millennials get a hard rap. I really do. I, I just think that they're a, they're a beating boy. They get beaten a shit ton. Excuse me. <laughs> it's okay. They, they just do. I have tons who are millennials, right, yeah. who are extremely hardworking, yeah. right? I know you're extremely hardworking. So, you know, I think they used to say that about the baby boomers as well. I was well. going to say the same yeah. thing. Like if I if I were to go back and play the tape when I was in my mid twenties, oh, yeah. and what the the partners were saying about me, and right. you know he's got to earn his way, and they yeah, want right. something for nothing, and, blah, 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 and like it, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Right. I think one of the things that we're dealing with now, as you alluded to it earlier, is you have um, there's there's a, a bigger platform than ever for a minority to spread kind of a, a, a gospel of work that doesn't hold true. You know, so you've got right. through social media and through kind of this envy culture that we've, we find ourselves steeped in right now, right. there's this false expectation. And it's like they're distorting reality. The reality is you are going to have to work hard if you want anything. And the reality is the people who, even those YouTubers, they're, oh, they're they busting hard. their ass. Like they're right. they're working twenty right. hours a day some days, you know, to get the product out there. But then we see the five minutes when they're sitting by the pool, 
you know, yeah. showing us their bank balance. And you're like, okay. But, right. you know, so I, I do agree with you, Jack, that millennials get a bad rap. Everything that was said about that generation was said about mine. Yeah, right. And so. Well, no, I, I, I agree. When I'm not saying it about, I'm not saying it about the millennial generation because I'm about it. I'm, I'm, I'm a member of that generation. I would say more so, you know, perhaps you're, what you're saying is, I'm saying that about the Gen Zers of the world and, and even the, the generational bracket after Gen Z that had never known a day without a, you know, a phone in their hand. Every, everything you could possibly think of, an application can deliver that to you, you know, to your yeah. face, your, your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And there's this instant gratification aspect sure. that a new generation is now having to compete with and, and not, not compete with, but they're, they're having to understand how to utilize and, and as a tool but also, as with every tool, it shapes us just as much as we shape the tool. So that's where I'm looking at the the next generation, the people behind me going, you know, there's a lot of instant gratification there. And yeah, it's I think, it, yeah, maybe I, I don't know. Right. I, I have to I've learned that I have to I have my oldest is 28. My youngest is 10. So I, you know, straddle both those. Yeah. Right. Um, it's a fascinating study in the psychology of Gen Zs and, and you know, Gen Xs uh, and, you know, the millennials. Fascinating. With, no. with, uh, you know, I think if we all adapt, I don't think the American psyche is going to change where we're going to be innovators. I think we're going to be always that thinking creatively. Um, and, you know, it's just not going to look the way we think it should look. You know, so yeah, it's, it's funny too. Like you, you, you hear like millennials, like they're always glued to their phone. I'm like, have you seen their grandparents lately? Yeah, yeah right. no, true. <laughs> but they don't even do Facebook anymore. I, I, my, my son was like, Facebook? What? No, that's for that's for boomers. Dad. That's for boomers. I don't do Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So. I I do. You know, sometimes pine for the days when we were less connected and there was more downtime. But would I trade it? you know, and, and have to give up, like you were alluding to, the access to information. I mean, think yeah. about how much more our little company is able to do simply because we have access to resources that right. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we would have had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars, either in manpower or in subscription services or access fees to get. And now we just have it. And right. it allows us to leverage what we're really good at um, all the more because we're not we're not spending our days, you know, digging through minutia or trying to get so and so expert on the line to find out what the deal is. And I don't want to roll the clock back. I mean, it's, no. but we pay a price for it. I mean, yeah. I would say we we definitely pay a price for it. But deal deal uh, deals are moving so much faster. You know, deal flow and 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 there's not not as much deal fatigue. In the old days, you used to talk about this thing called deal fatigue, where you know, the deals last so long. But because technology kind of sharpens that, do you want to do it or you don't want to do it? Mm-hmm. Yes or no, you know, no harm, no foul. No, it's no, that's mm-hmm. fine. But move on, right? So I think it just speeds up that process. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been, been, been brisk, which is good. Yeah. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate welcome, you man. coming Enjoyed in. It. This was a lot of fun. Thank and, you. Uh, the goodies are all yours. Yeah, so thank you so much. Hope Irish you enjoy. Bre- I love Irish breakfast tea. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, I do. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. <laughs>